Hi everyone, my name's Em and you are listening to The Empowered Pod. So welcome to the very first episode of The Empowered Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy the very first instalment of this fun little passion project that I've decided to put out into the world. So I guess I'm just going to start off by telling you what you can expect from the Empowered Pod. Every week we are going to be releasing an episode on Tuesdays and in each episode we're going to be telling the story of an incredible woman from history and the amazing things that she's done, often despite some pretty hectic circumstances. And the reason for sharing these stories is twofold. The first part of it is that often throughout our childhoods and into adulthood, we hear a lot of stories of men from history. And there are just so many epic stories of women that I don't think we get told about enough. And so I'm really excited to share those and share the stories of the women that I've found through honestly just digging through Wikipedia for cool stories of sick women. (laughs) And the second reason for sharing these stories is that I think hearing the stories of others, particularly in times of difficulties and hardships and the crazy times that we find ourselves in right now, hearing the stories of other people can be so encouraging and so inspiring and ultimately empowering. And so I hope that's what it is for you as you listen to these stories. I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you're inspired to chase after the things that you feel called to follow after hearing women do the same. And I ultimately hope you feel empowered that despite whatever circumstance you find yourself in you can pursue those things you can pursue your dreams you can seek after the incredible things that life has for you because that's what these women did and I'm so excited to tell you all about them so I'm not going to faff on for any longer I'm going to dive right in to our very first story which is about the epic woman from the 1880s named Nellie Bly So, Nellie Bly. We are going to start from the start, but the snapshot for you is that Nellie Bly was a female journalist in the 1880s who went undercover to write exposés on some hectic stuff that went down in New York. So, let's dive in. In 1864, Nellie was born in Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. She was originally born Elizabeth Cochran, but she changed her pen name to Nellie Bly when her journalistic career began. So, Bly's early life was relatively uneventful. She grew up with nine siblings. She was raised by her father, who worked as a judge and landowner, and her mother. However, in 1870, when Nellie Bly was just six years old, her father died suddenly. Her father hadn't prepared a will, and so Nellie, her mother Mary Jane, and Nellie's nine siblings had no legal claim to their father's estate and were left with nothing. And the rest of Bly's childhood is really painted by financial struggle. In 1879, Bly enrolled in the Indiana Normal School to study teaching, but she had to drop out after just one term of studying due to financial hardships. In 1880, Mary Jane moved Bly and her whole family to Pittsburgh, and after living in Pittsburgh for a few years, Bly discovers this article in the Pittsburgh Dispatch. Now, remember, it's the 1880s, but still, this article is a bit of a doozy. (laughs) The article in the Pittsburgh Dispatch was called, 
What are girls good for? And basically the entire article was about how the sole purpose of women was to birth children and manage the household. Lovely. Now, Nellie, bless her, read this article and had none of it. She was like, "Uh uh-uh, this is not okay. So she wrote an anonymous letter under the pen name Lonely Orphan Girl, which, sidebar, sounds like the title of every 2000s teen's Tumblr page, but I digress. (laughs) So Lonely Orphan Girl slash Nellie writes this anonymous response to the article, basically being like, um, you misogynistic fools, what the heck is this trash article doing in your paper? You're better than this. And the editor sees this letter and is so impressed by the passionate writing that he puts an ad in the Pittsburgh Dispatch asking the author to identify themselves. So Nellie comes forward, she says, hey, yep, it's me, I'm Lonely Orphan Girl. And the editor offers her an opportunity to actually write an article under the same pseudonym. So Nellie gets to work and she writes this banging article all about how women are affected by divorce and calls for reform of the divorce laws of the time. Again, the editor of the dispatch is so impressed with Nellie and he ends up offering her a full-time job as a journalist. And this is when she officially adopts the pen name Nellie Bly. So Nellie begins working for the dispatch and she's focused on the lives of working women. She writes investigative reports about female factory workers and the conditions that they're forced to work in. However, not surprisingly, the factory owners complained because she was revealing the terrible way they were treating their female workers. And so Nellie gets reassigned to write columns about fashion, society and gardening. Unsurprisingly, (laughs) Nellie was not very stoked with this. So at 21 years old, Nellie moved to Mexico to work as a foreign correspondent. And for six months, she reported on the lives and customs of the Mexican people. In particular, she reported on the imprisonment of local journalists, which was happening under the dictatorship of the time of Porfirio Diaz. Nellie comes home and in 1887, she left the Pittsburgh Dispatch to work in New York. Now, once Nellie gets to New York, she received so much pushback trying to get a job as a reporter because despite her already successful career, even though she was really young, they refused to hire a female journalist. So, Bly ends up talking her way into a job as an investigative reporter at the New York World, which also happens to be the newspaper of Joseph Pulitzer. Yes, that is the Pulitzer Prize guy. Wild. Just swindled away in there. (laughs) So, at 23 years old, while Bly is working for the New York World, she accepts an assignment to investigate the conditions of the insane asylum on Blackwell's Island. Now, quick side note, I know that saying insane asylum or lunatic asylum is not what we refer to them nowadays, um, but a lot of the articles that I was looking at, and obviously at the time, that's how they were referred to. So moving forward, I'm just going to call it the asylum or Blackwell's asylum, but just so you know, don't say that now. (laughs) That's just what it was called in 1880. A lot of stuff was wrong back then. So fun fact about Blackwell's Island. It has not only the asylum, but also a smallpox hospital, a workhouse, a prison, and a nursing school. So there's a lot of gnarly stuff going on on Blackwell's Island. Also, another fun fact that's even more random, it's actually now known as Roosevelt Island, and it appears in The Great Gatsby. There you go. There's two fun facts for you. Back to Nellie. 
Now, to truly investigate the conditions at Blackwell's asylum, Nellie couldn't just go as a reporter and ask questions because she'd never get to the bottom of what was really going on. They'd always put up a front if anyone went there to check on the conditions. They would always, like, you know, tidy up before someone came to visit kind of thing. So she was actually tasked with being admitted to the hospital in order to properly investigate what it was like for the patients there. And obviously, it's not super easy to just get admitted to this hospital because it's for people who have really severe mental illnesses. She can't just walk in and check herself in. So firstly, Nellie checks herself into a women's boarding house and the acting begins. So Bly stays up all night, starts making wild accusations about all the other boarders there. She's banging on about everyone she knows, saying everyone's mad and eventually just scares all of the other boarders and the people working there. So the following morning, she's taken to the local courthouse where she lays the acting on thick and she manages to convince the police officers, a judge and a doctor that she's suffering from a significant case of amnesia and dementia. They all rule that Nellie should be taken to Blackwell's asylum, and that is where she goes. Obviously, just a reminder of context, it's still very impressive that Nellie manages to get herself into the asylum, but the stigma around mental health at the time should also be taken into consideration because obviously nowadays, a diagnosis of dementia or amnesia does not merit someone being admitted to a prison psych ward, but in 1880, it definitely did. So... Nellie gets admitted to Blackwell's asylum and while she's there she sees the horrendous conditions that the patients were subject to. I'm not going to give you all the gnarly details because this is supposed to be an uplifting podcast but some of the things she sees when she's there are the patients being served spoiled and rotten food. She had to bathe with one bucket of cold water and they were sharing like one or two towels between 45 women. Also, it's autumn in New York, so it's pretty freaking cold and all the women are constantly shivering. They don't have proper clothing. There's no proper heating. And Nellie's just like, this, is, this isn't this is going to fly. So she writes, take a perfectly sane and healthy woman, shut her up and make her sit from 6am to 8pm on straight back benches do not allow her to talk or move during these hours. Give her bad food and harsh treatment and then see how long it will take to make her insane. Two months would make her a mental and physical wreck. So while she's there, Bly attempts to talk to as many women in the asylum as possible and she actually finds that a lot of the women that are there are immigrants who didn't speak much or any English and they've been mistakenly admitted to Blackwell's asylum. She also speaks to women who reported awful abuse from the nurses, noting that they would beat them, they would hold them under the bathwater just for crying or talking out of turn. She also made note that the nurses were drugging the inmates with the ridiculous amounts of morphine and chloral hydrate. So obviously to her relief, after 10 days in the asylum, lawyers from her office, the New York World, arranged for Bly's release. Two days after her release, Bly's experience was printed on the cover of the New York World, where Bly detailed her experience in a two-part expose. Bly's story basically goes the 1880s equivalent of viral, and competing newspapers are writing all about her experience as well. The article actually prompted the city officials to investigate the conditions of Blackwell's asylum, and ended up 
putting a further $1 million onto the asylum's budget to improve the conditions, which doesn't seem like a heap, but at the time it was, and in modern day figures, it probably compares to about 30 million US dollars. So it's a decent amount being put forward to this institution. Two months after her experience, Bly releases her story as a book titled 10 Days in a Madhouse. Following this whole experience, Bly becomes an incredibly well-known journalist and continued to expose the dark parts of her city, including poor conditions of factory workers and even establishments that were selling newborn children because, hot damn, the 1880s was gnarly. Also, and this is really random, but Bly was widely known for two years after her whole assignment at the asylum and expose and everything. Nellie goes on this adventure, which is inspired by Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 Days, and she attempts to follow the same route as Phileas Fogg, who's like the main character in the novel, and she writes a whole series about it. So much to the joy of Nellie and the public, she manages to complete the trip in just 72 days. Good on you, Nell. And everyone's going wild. She's like, I can't believe I just did this. Look at me go. And Mr. Boss Man, Joseph Pulitzer, couldn't care less. So Nellie goes in and she's like, mate, this is really impressive. Look what I just did. I'm the female version of Phileas Fogg. I'm so great. And he's like, yeah, cool, whatever. So her article gets published about it, but she doesn't really get any recognition from the New York world more than that. And so she is not stoked about that. And she just ups and leaves the New York world, which is the paper she's been working for for ages, and actually takes a hiatus from journalism. During her little hiatus, Nellie worked writing novels for the New York Family Story paper, and between 1889 and 1895, she actually wrote 11 novels, which is pretty bloody impressive. In 1895, she was 31 years old, and she married Robert Seaman, who was a wealthy steel manufacturer who owned Ironclad Manufacturing Co., Robert also happened to be 42 years her senior, and so when he passed away, which was not very long after they got married, Nellie took over the company. Obviously, given her previous work with um, investigating factory conditions, Nellie was super passionate and focused on creating fair and safe conditions for the factory workers who worked in her company. But she wasn't a very good businesswoman, and so she ended up running the company into the ground oopsie daisy (laughs) but that's okay she was an incredible journalist and she got back into journalism later in life and towards the end of her career she reported on a bunch of the battles on the eastern european front during world war one Nellie Bly lived until 1922 where at the age of 57 she died of pneumonia but her legacy lives on In 1998, Bly was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. There's a mural on Roosevelt Island that's dedicated to her, and every year the New York Press Club awards the Nellie Bly Cub Reporter Journalism Award. It's a bit of a mouthful, but they award this to a young writer who has shown outstanding efforts in their first few years in journalism, just like Nell did. In 2002, she also managed to make her way onto a US postage stamp, and it's worth noting that in 1946, they wrote a Broadway musical about her that ran for 16 shows. So that's pretty cool too. 
All in all, Nellie is remembered for her incredible journalistic efforts and her fearlessness in going where not many would go to uncover the truth in her investigations. Man, I had so much fun researching Nellie Bly. If you want to hear more about her story, all of the resources that I used to research her will be listed in the little podcast description. But there's also a bunch of movies and books that you can check out if you want more of her story. So Drunk History actually have a couple of episodes on her. There's one episode on her exploits in Blackwell's Asylum. And then there's another episode on her little adventure doing the around the world in 80 days thing. There's a couple of movies as well. There's one called 10 Days in a Madhouse from 2015 and Escaping the Madhouse, the Nellie Bly story from 2019, which both dive into her life story. There's also a heap of books that have been written about her or based on her, which I'll list in the pod description as well. So, That was the story of Nellie Bly. She was such a cool lady. Thanks so much for going on that journey with me and listening to her story. I hope you found it interesting and inspiring. I hope you had a bit of a laugh too because she got up to some hectic stuff. I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. As with every episode today, I'm going to finish off the pod with a couple of recommendations of things that brought me joy. And if you want to check them out, I hope they bring you joy too. So the first one is a movie called Free Guy. It's the new Ryan Reynolds movie and it's about a video game character who suddenly becomes self-aware. It sounds like a bit of a weird movie concept, but it's actually so fun and so funny and the soundtrack is banging as well. So... I'm pretty sure you can get it on Disney Plus, but that's recommendation numero uno. My second recommendation for you of something to bring you joy is the album by Lanny or Laney. I don't really know how to say it, but their new album that came out in September called GGBBXX. I mean, yep, that's what it's called. <laughs> um, the whole album is just like a lot of fun, very much dance around the house vibes. One of the songs is literally called Dancing in the Kitchen. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. Chuck it on your happy gal playlist. You might not have a happy gal playlist, but I have one and I would recommend you make one for yourself. Happy gal or happy guy, whoever you are. Um, so yes, get that in your ears because it's a delight. Um, I could have many other recommendations, but I'm going to stop there and I'm going to wrap up this podcast because I've already gone on for too long. But thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Empowered Pod. We are going to have a new episode out every Tuesday. So check your podcast feeds. Is that what they're called? I don't know. Check your Spotify, check your Apple Podcasts. Every Tuesday, we're going to be releasing a new episode. And next week, we are going to be talking about another incredible woman. So make sure you tune in. Check out the Empowered Pod on Instagram at Empowered Pod. And make sure you subscribe on Spotify and Apple and all the things. I think that's it. Anyway, I love you all. Have a wonderful week. (laughs) Bye, guys.